Amazing. Cracking, can you all hear me? Fantastic. Um, so, yes, I'm Mike, and as I was sort of thinking about and um, praying over what I wanted to speak on today, I felt the topic of self-forgiveness and what it looks like to forgive ourselves came onto my heart, and I really wanted to share um, this topic with you. And this is quite a big topic. It's quite a raw topic, and so these five minutes are not going to cover everything surrounding this topic. Um, it'll only really touch the surface, but in praying over and thinking about what I wanted today, I felt so passionate um, and really um, something I've been thinking and praying over a lot in my personal life recently. And so we're sort of going to have a little bit, a little bit of a pit stop, a little bit of a thought for the day type five minutes surrounding this topic and what also we can take home from it. And so it's been um, so meant to talk about this to- the core of this topic with you. But I know most people here will probably be coming um, surrounding this topic, specific things, specific situations, specific topics that you'll be coming here today with that um, we might struggle to find forgiveness of ourselves in. And it may be situations such as maybe a lie we told, it may be something we did, something we may have said, or hurting somebody. And so for me, I've definitely been in a place where I've struggled to find forgiveness of myself in things I've done, and things which may have often been years and years ago. And so right at the core of this message, I'd love to give sort of a visual representation of the core of what I'll be sort of sharing with you today. And so here, if we move across, we have this bottle. And so this bottle inside represents our failures. It represents us as well, and inside are our failures, where we may have messed up things we may have done. And so in Jesus, we find that all our mess-ups, no matter how big or how small or however we may view it, Jesus' death on the cross has already paid the price um, for our mess-ups. And so now we'll pour the water in to the bottle showing now um, that we are clean and free from what we have done. Presents that now inside we are clean. Our mess-ups are already forgiven. They've all been taken and put on the cross. However, we also see that the bottle, the glass of the bottle, is tinted. And so the tinted nature represents our inability to forgive ourselves. It represents that even though the water inside is still clean, we often fail to properly see it because we find it difficult to forgive ourselves. And so in this visual representation, I'd just like to make a two key points. The first of which is God's view. God's authority of forgiveness overpowers the state of forgiveness we view ourselves in. God's authority of forgiveness overpowers the state of forgiveness we view ourselves in. And it says in Jeremiah 31, 34, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Therefore, if God has already forgiven and forgotten our mistakes, then his authority is bigger than our own. Therefore, in whatever way we have messed up, whether that's hurting somebody or turning away from God, God has already forgiven. And we are still not perfect. We still continue to mess up. But in turning to Jesus, knowing that what he has done on the cross, we are continually forgiven. And that state, that water is always clean, no matter what. And so the second point is our view. So as we noted on 
earlier, the tinted glass prevents us seeing the fullness of God's glory in completely cleaning our sins. It prevents us seeing that inside the bottle, the water is fully clean. And this is something the devil, who is the enemy, um, who tries to pull down and knock our relationship with God, he, uses this to, he, he harnesses this to knock our confidence in seeing the fullness of what Jesus has done on the cross. Gosh, that was a nice, a nice voice break. <laughs> I'll say that again. Harnesses to knock our confidence in seeing the fullness of what Jesus has done on the cross. And so when we dwell on what we have already done, it is not God bringing up these things, which that the, the devil uses and tries to tell us that God brings up these things. It's the devil bringing these up to make us dwell on them and in turn trying to pull us away from Jesus. Instead, the calling we have is summed up in Philippians 3.13 when Paul says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. And so ultimately, this is hard. This is a hard um, thing to do, forgiving ourselves. Um, but it's something we're not told to do on our own. And it's hard to properly embrace forgiveness that is spoken on our lives in every single mess up. And the devil acts to try and tell you there are consequences for our slip-ups. And to be honest, sin on earth has repercussions. And the devil here acts to try and persuade us to exaggerate the consequences we may face by telling us that our mess-ups define our situations, define our consequence on earth. Instead, I found that when the devil tells us this, that our response should shout that our mess-ups do not define our situation, but the goodness of God defines our response. So what this looks like, that no matter what um, situation, no matter how big or small, we see our mess-ups. We have a God who calls us children, who does not define us by our mess-ups, who calls us children and will still bless us on earth and comforts you in the situations we face because he is always for you and is always with you. And so lastly, uh, G2, when we look back at our mess-ups, not, let's not look back at them thinking we're the same person because when we look back, we're actually looking at a gravestone and that gravestone is already long gone because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And so in response to this message, as I finish, finish up, um, I found that the, we cannot forgive ourselves in our own strength. It's something that I've been trying to wrestle with, but ultimately we cannot do it in our own strength. And in prayer, I've found the, uh, I found the strength which God has given me to slowly forgive myself. And so I'd love to pray as we finish up, but I challenge you as we go out of this, these five minutes, and to speak forgiveness over yourself. We could be in many different situations, but it's a long process of praying, realizing God's strength gives us the ability to forgive and knowing that inside it is always clean. And this may look like literally saying, I forgive you hundreds of times, but it will slowly get easier. So as I finish, let me just pray for you, and then we'll finish. Yes, God, thank you that inside the bottle it is always clean. Help us for the tinted nature to become more see-through and help us to see your full glory of what you've done on the cross. Give us the strength to forgive ourselves knowing that you've already forgiven us. Amen.
Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it all of you for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This is the account from uh, the book of Matthew in chapter 26 of Jesus teaching his disciples, his, his closest followers, how to break bread and drink wine. And it's the first time that we see what we often refer to as the Lord's Supper. And I just want to look at the moment that Jesus chooses to teach his disciples how to do this most fundamental part of the Christian walk. Because it's a really poignant moment. This is the last time that all of the disciples, all of the community that Jesus has been building around himself for three years are together before his crucifixion. They're about to go to the garden. Jesus is going to pray. Then he's going to be betrayed and handed over to the Romans. So this is a really powerful moment. And this is the moment that Jesus chooses to teach people about breaking bread. Now, this is either just a coincidence or it's really integral to what Jesus is teaching us. And actually, we see roughly four references in the New Testament to breaking bread. We get this one, which is in all of the, uh, three of the Gospels, which are the stories telling of Jesus' life. Then we get one at the beginning of the book of Acts, which is the history of the early church. And in Acts 2, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. And then we get one more at the end of Acts, in Acts 20, where it says, on the first day of the week, they came together to break bread. And Paul, who's been off planting loads of lovely churches all over the place, shares with them what he's been doing. And then we get one more in a letter to Corinth. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul is basically reading the riot act to the church in Corinth. There's loads of really deep-rooted problems going on in that community. They're fighting. It's dysfunctional. And he sums it up by saying, when you meet together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. So we get these four references. And each time we get a reference to the bread and the wine, we get a reference to community and to fellowship. In fact, the early church used to refer to it as the fellowship of bread and wine. And so I think it's pretty safe to say that the best way to do breaking bread is within community. But I think we can extend it a little bit further. And I'd like to suggest that the best way to do community is centered around breaking bread. Now, you might be wondering why. Why would it be any different from just meeting up and having a meal or meeting up and going out to a bar? What's the big deal? Well, in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul tells us this about breaking bread. He says, Is not the cup of thanksgiving a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? You see, Paul is saying here, that when we take bread and wine, we are actually exhibiting our unity with Jesus. We are unified with him through his body and through his blood. And if we're unified through his body and his blood, we are also unified with him in his death and his resurrection. It's powerful. It's a way that Jesus has given us, even 2,000 years after the fact, to connect with Jesus' death on the cross. It's big, and we need to get that, that it's not just having a meal together. It's powerful, which leads us to a question. Are we missing out if we only break bread together when we do communion in church? Is it not an opportunity 
that when we meet together in each other's houses or at restaurants or at bars or at parks, wherever we are, to have deeper, more fulfilling, more meaningful fellowship. Fellowship that at its very core is focused on the fact that we are unified with Christ. I think if we think of it like this, then it's an opportunity that we don't just want to let slip us by. Like it's an opportunity we should be making the most of, and we can do it really simply. So what I'd love us to do, you've all got food and drink on your tables. I'd love us to break bread together. I'd love us to, like the early church, gather together, break bread, and share with each other. Share things that excite you, things that are scaring you, new exciting adventures or things that are getting you down, worries that are weighing on your heart. Share them with each other, and then let's pray together, knowing that when we do, we are doing it completely unified with Jesus. So get cracking. Have some food and dips and whatnot, and let's have fellowship. Okay, so I'm going to talk about, which is quite a broad thing to talk about um, in five minutes, but I'm going to talk about worth. So it will make sense now that I'm going to ask you, it can be as like little or serious, if you want to say, um, as you want it to be, but I want you to write down something that you are maybe quite insecure about or something you struggle with or something that you think um, hinders you from feeling like, you know, like actually realizing your worth. So while I'm talking, like feel free to, you don't have to do it like straight away, like right now, but I'm going to talk about worth. And then at the end, what I'm going to get you to do somehow (laughs) is pop them all in this box and then I'm going to pray over them. And yeah, we're going to see what happens. So, um, I think the first thing to do is actually realize that it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, we all struggle with something. We're all human. We all like have little battles in our minds with whatever it is. And we're all different. They won't all be the same. Um, but I think what is so common is that when something's maybe not as good as we think or someone's better at something than you are, it's, we're very quick to be like, okay, well... I'm not good enough then. And we can all be like, no, it's fine. I'm, I'm fine. I don't struggle with that. We all do. Um, it's normal, actually, which is kind of sad, but it, it is the case. And that is something that we struggle with. Um, and I think we're also very quick to actually compliment other people and say, you're so good at that. Or you look amazing. Or well done. And do you ever actually stop to think those things about yourself? I don't. <laughs> I'm really bad at it. So I'm basically telling this to myself as I'm telling you. Um, I'm no different than the rest of you. Um, But something that occurred to me when I was thinking about this was actually like to stop and think to myself before I brought this to you was, what does God think of me? And this might be the first time that you've ever heard this. It might be the 10th time or, I don't know, the 100th, if that's the right word. Uh, But yeah, if you actually stop to think to yourself, what does God think about me? And I'm not going to go shooting Bible verse after Bible verse to you because um, that'll take forever. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the one that's very common is Psalm 139. And it just talks about how we as humans are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God created each and every one of us to look a certain way, to act a certain way, to like a certain thing. We all have strengths, we all have weaknesses, but it doesn't mean that someone's better than you. And it doesn't mean that you're not good enough. So, yeah, 
I, the thing about the task that I'm wanting you to do is actually to think to yourself, okay, this is something that I struggle with and I don't want to. I don't want it to stop me from thinking that I'm not good enough because you are. You are good enough. Every single one of us is. And it's sometimes really hard. I sometimes think, oh, I can't say that about myself. That's a bit too, like, that's a bit too, like, mm, like, I can't do that. I can't do that. Because um, maybe it's because I'm Yorkshire. Sorry if anyone else is Yorkshire, but whatever. Um, but yeah, but actually it's okay to say you're good enough. It's okay to say you're good at something that, you know, you look nice sometimes. Um, it's, that's, that's okay. Um, so yeah, uh, what else was I going to say? Yeah, don't allow the feelings of the insecurities stop you from connecting with God. And I think that's something that I've struggled with so much over time. And it's something that is a process and it's something that you learn um, as you're going along. Um, but God's actually saying to you, you are good enough. You are. You are who I want you to be. And of course, like, there's always room for improvement, I would say. Um, you know, always, it, there's no, nothing bad about striving to be the best. There's nothing bad about trying to get achievements, but don't let it define you and don't let it um, bubble up inside thinking, okay, if I don't get this A, like, I'm not good enough. And I think a lot of us have just had exams. A lot of us have just, like, gone through coursework, whatever. I haven't had exams. <laughs> um, but everyone's been a bit stressed and... Every single conversation I've had, most Sundays, has been about exams or whatever's going on in terms of uni work. And I think at this moment in time, that's something that's on a lot of our minds. It's something that we're just thinking, if, whether you're about to graduate or you've done your first or second year, like, we're all thinking, okay, like, what, you, you're kind of like in that waiting game, but God's got it. And he's saying, do you know what? If you get that A grade, great. I'm so proud of you. If you don't, I'm still proud of you. I still think you're good enough. I still think you are where you are. I think you're beautiful. Like, we are his children. And, yeah, I think it's reminding ourselves, um, which is, it can be hard, because we can, I think we look at the negatives rather than the positives. Um, but, yeah, if anyone has finished writing it, somehow, if you want to carefully not fall over and pop them into the box... And just, yeah, if we could have some music or something, that would be great. Thank you. We all got it? I mean, put them in. Got it? Okay, so I'm going to pray over these. And I think it's important to realize that sometimes we have to be a little bit realistic in terms of, it doesn't always, things don't go away straight away all the time. But actually they will. Eventually they will. And I think this is a prayer that needs to keep happening throughout the week and so on if it's something that you're really struggling with then like give it to God and that's what I'm going to do now I'm no one's going to look at these by the way like they're just going to go straight in the bin because as far as I'm concerned they're going to go like every single one of them I've put mine in as well I haven't just said it to you and not done it I've put mine in so I'm going to pray and then I'll hand back to Sarah God I thank you that you're our father I thank you that we can come to you about anything that we struggle with I pray right now that every single insecurity, every struggle, everything within this box just goes. I pray that there will be no more struggling. I pray that we are reminded that we are good enough, that you created us to be who you want us to be. I pray we have confidence. I pray we have boldness. I pray any feelings of um, 
struggling with self-worth goes because we are worth it. You say we're worth it. You had, our, you had your son die on the cross for us because we were worth it. I pray for every single person in this room that they are reminded that, we, that they are your children, that you are our father. On this Father's Day, great day, um, that we are reminded that you go before us, you go before every single thing in this box. And I pray right now that there's healing over every single one of us, whichever part of our lives needs to be healed right now. I pray that in your name. Amen. So our fourth and final ignition um, is a song that Zach and Ellie have written. The lyrics are available on chairs. If there isn't one near you, be sure to grab them afterwards. It'd be really cool to read them through. Um, so over to Zach and Ellie. Citizen of heaven in your 
2 Timothy 1, 6 in the Bible says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, gives us love and self-discipline. pray that you'd be reminded that Jesus died for you and that you can experience his forgiveness and accept it for yourself. I pray that you'd know what it is to break bread with one another in community, that you'd experience the power of God's presence at your dinner table in the everyday. I pray that you'd know that you are worthy, that you may feel unworthy to be associated with Jesus and that it may take you a long time to fully embrace the identity that God has given you, but that you have been made worthy by God. But I pray that today would be a marker and a milestone for each of you in this journey of life of discovering who God is and who he says you are. God's love for you is vast, vast and beyond measure. So this week, each of you, would you begin to see more of his relentless, endless, forgiving, present love. This week and always, G2. Amen. Amen. Have a great week.